Welcome to Practical Christian Living. Once you know Him, there's a transformation that takes place inside of you. And once you know Him, you want to do God's will. So that if you're someone who says, I don't want to do God's will, then that's a sign that you don't really know Him. If you say, well, I'm here at church and I'm a Christian, but I don't want to do what God wants me to do, that's a sign that you never had a relationship with Him. Jesus said eternal life is knowing the one true God and the Son whom He sent. When we get to know Jesus and fall more and more in love with Him, we want to do His will. We want to live to please Him. Salvation comes by simply inviting Jesus into your life, believing what He said, and believing that He can forgive your sins. That's all it takes. Getting to know Him and allowing yourself to be used by Him is part of the joy of the journey, walking into a deeper relationship with Jesus. With more on our message out of 2 Peter 2, 9 through 22, here's Robert Furrow, pastor of Calvary, Tucson. You go to the Mormon church and there's a lot of things that they teach that are the same as a truly Christian church. You go to the Jehovah Witnesses and there's a lot of things that they teach that's the same. You watch somebody on TV and there's a lot of things that they teach that are the same but they do not teach the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus died upon the cross, demonstrating his love so that sins can be forgiven. It says they speak evil of things they don't understand and will utterly perish in their own corruption. They will utterly perish. God will not hold them guiltless who do such things. He goes on to say, and will receive the wages of unrighteousness, you and I, we've learned before that we are going to receive the blessings of righteousness because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. But could you imagine what it must be like to receive the wages of unrighteousness? No wonder the Bible says that when you're choosing someone to teach, don't choose a novice, lest he be puffed up in his own mind. You might utterly destroy him if you don't give him a chance to really be rooted and grounded and established in Christ. No wonder the Bible says not, not many of you desire to be teachers because you will incur a stronger, a stricter judgment. They will receive the wages of unrighteousness as those who count it pleasure to carouse in the daytime. They are spots and blemishes carousing in their own deception while they feast with you. He pictures a, a man stalking the the back streets in the bad part of town. That's literally what carousing is. It's the area of town where prostitutes are found. And the picture is of a man who's carousing the back part of the road in the daytime, looking to fulfill his lusts. And that's the comparison to false teachers. All they're doing is trying to fulfill their own desires and their own lusts. And they're doing it in the daytime. They're doing it right out in the open, verse 14, having eyes full of adultery and cannot cease from sin. When you study men like Jim Jones, you find that their false teaching, their desire for money were not their only problems. You find that there was a lot of seduction. There was a lot of taking advantage, literally having eyes full of adultery and they cannot cease from sin, just can't stop it enticing unstable souls. 
That's why it's dangerous because you might be solid. You might be able to listen to a false teacher and be able to not follow in their ways. But the people that false teachers are going after are unstable souls. They're ones that could be taken advantage of easily. You know, there's a, uh, there's a sucker's list out there. The sucker's list is, once you respond to something in the mail, the kind of thing like, you won a million dollars. Fill this out and send it in. We guarantee you won. And you fill it out and you send it in. They put you on what's called a sucker's list. And now all of a sudden you get all this mail of all this stuff that you won because they realize that you respond to it. Now, most of us at one point or another make a phone call. I got something a while back about winning a cruise and I made a phone call. By the time they started asking me my address, I was like, you know what? I don't think I'm going to give it to you. <laughs> I think I'm just going to not do it. I might even have gotten myself on the suckers list. Who knows? Because they had a number on it that was obviously connected to my address, which they already had. What the false teachers are looking for is those that they can take advantage from. They're people that struggle. And that, that makes it even worse that they are just looking to take advantage of people who might not be ready, people who are young, people who are immature, people who are just not stable in Christ and aren't able to make a stand. No wonder it ruffles the feathers of pastors so much when people lack discernment and just say, well, it's okay. They're all right. They just teach something that's a little different. It ought to ruffle our feathers. We ought to make our stand. We ought to say, those guys are not teaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're teaching something that is radically different. They're enticing unstable souls, it says in verse 15. They have a heart trained on covetous practices and are accursed children. <laughs> Note, he's, he says something about them, and then he tells you about them. He said something about what they're like and then he tells you about them. So they have their hearts trained on covetous practices and they're accursed children. Think about the heaviness of that statement. These false teachers are cursed. You and I as Christians, we are blessed. We've received the forgiveness of sins. We've entered into a relationship with the living God. We are blessed. They those false teachers are cursed. And one day they will receive the rewards of unrighteousness. He's already told us. Boy, if there's, is again, by chance, I said this a couple weeks ago, if there's by chance a false teacher among us today, I would take being here in this particular study as a real sign to turn and repent, to make sure that you're teaching the way of the truth, that you're finding out what God says and what God wants you to teach, that you are being entrusted with something, not for your own covetous practices, but that's exactly what it is. It's covetous practices. It says in verse 15, they have forsaken the right way. Earlier, he said, you're, you, you, there's things you do not understand. Now he says you've forsaken the right way. At some point, these, these, these people, let's go back to Ephesus, Paul said, ravenous wolves are going to come in and people are going to rise up from among you. At some point, they believed it. 
like the guy that I told you about earlier that rose up in our presence. All of a sudden, he started saying, you can't really be saved by just inviting Jesus into your life. It takes more than that to be saved. And he said, you can't be saved by knowing Jesus just by having a relationship with him. There's other things that you have to do. He began to go around and tell people those. He was all of a sudden departing from the way. Yeah, he had the way. He knew you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that you know him. What does Jesus say in John 17, three? And this is eternal life, that you know the one true God and the son whom he sent. That one day he will say to some people away from me, for I never knew you. It's about knowing them. Once you know him, there's a transformation that takes place inside of you. And once you know him, you want to do God's will. So that if you're someone who says, I don't want to do God's will, then that's a sign that you don't really know him. If you say, well, I'm here at church and I'm a Christian, but I don't want to do what God wants me to do. That's a sign that you never had a relationship with him. Now he twisted that and said, real salvation is when you start doing what God wants you to do. All of a sudden he turned it into works, which the Bible clearly says, you are saved by grace through faith, not of any works that you do, lest you can boast. There are radical changes that take place in us once we become Christians. And those radical changes are the fruit of Christianity that show us that we've made a real commitment, but there's only one way to enter into the door. And that is through Jesus Christ by inviting him into your life, by living for him. They know the way of the truth, but they turn from the way of the truth. Because if they don't turn from the way of the truth, how are they gonna get you disgruntled with the gospel? How are they gonna get you on their side if they don't turn away from it and say that the church is teaching something that isn't quite right, but we've got it figured out? How did the Jehovah Witnesses ever get a group of people to start breaking away? They broke away from the truth and there were those who knew the truth and broke away from it. How did the Mormons ever get people to begin to, to break away and, and follow such, such things? They have forsaken the right way and they've gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. Balaam was a prophet at the same time that Moses was a prophet. And when Balak saw the children of Israel coming, being delivered out of Egypt and heading towards the promised land, Balak said to Balaam, come and curse the children of Israel and I'll pay you. And Balaam said, I'm sorry, but God won't let me do it. And Balak said, too bad, because I have a lot of money for you. And Balaam said, well, why don't you spend the night? And in the morning, I'll ask again. Can you imagine Balaam going to God the first time? God, your people have been delivered from Egypt and I would like to curse them. There are some things you don't need to pray about. And God tells him, no. He goes back and says to Balak, no, I can't do it, but, but stay the night. Because Balak said, well, I got a lot of money for you. And so the next day he went back to God and said, God, I was, I was wondering, Balak is still here. Can I go and curse your people? And God said to Balaam, go ahead and go. Balaam was a false teacher who now was following the direction of God to go ahead and go and curse the children of Israel by his own covetousness. His very heart was deceived. He was deceived by his covetousness. And God said, go ahead and go, but he shouldn't have gone. 
You remember why? Because the angel of the Lord stood in an open field with a sword drawn. And his donkey saw the angel of the Lord, but Balaam didn't see it. And the donkey took off across the field, and Balaam began to beat him. And then when he went a little further, the angel of the Lord got right in the way, a wall on the right and a wall on the left, and the angel of the Lord was going to kill Balaam. When God says, don't do something, and you keep on saying, can I do it? Can I do it? Can I do it? And then God changes his mind and goes, go ahead and do it. Don't do it. It's not a good thing. God said, you go ahead and go. I'll kill you before I get there. The donkey pinned him up against the wall. John Corson says that he pinned Balaam's foot against the wall and Balaam was defeated. It's a pretty bad pun, but it's funny anyway, nevertheless. God opened up the mouth of the donkey who was being beaten by Balaam and the donkey said, haven't I been a good donkey to you all these years? Why are you beating me? Someone said that the amazing thing isn't that the donkey talked, but that Balaam answered him because you've ran off and you pinned my foot against the wall. And he learned that there was an angel of the Lord that was there that wanted to kill him. Amazing thing is, is that Balaam said, well, well can I go with him, God? He still said, can I go with him? And God said, you only speak what I tell you to speak. And when he got up and he tried to curse the nation of Israel, he couldn't curse them. All he could do is bless them, but he wanted to curse them. That was his desire. The Bible says that he also told Balak, I can't curse these people. They're blessed by God. I can't curse them. But if you take your loose women and you send them down into the camp of Israel to seduce the men, then I won't have to curse them. God will get them for you. And so he sent them down to seduce the men and the men were seduced and I forget how many thousands died in this seduction by these Moabite women. And finally, when the nation of Israel fought against Balak and defeated him, the Bible says, and Balaam, the son of Beor, the soothsayer, was killed. You know what a soothsayer is? It's a warlock. Balaam went from being a prophet of God who was able to go and hear from God. And when God said no, he kept trying to go and trying to go and trying to go until finally he turned into a soothsayer. That's the way these people go. They start off in what's right and they turn from the right way and they begin to teach something that is wrong and they go in the, the way of Balaam because they love the money, because they love the power, because they want to seduce women. And unfortunately, we've even seen it where they seduce children. The words in verse three are so true. By covetousness, they exploit. For their own lusts and their own desires, they turn away from the truth after their own way. But he was rebuked for his iniquity, a dumb donkey speaking with a man's voice restrained, the madness of a prophet. Now, some have come there with the madness of a prophet and said that the donkey never spoke, but Balaam in his madness thought that the donkey spoke. It's not the way the Old Testament reads, by the way. It says they are wells without water. That's who false teachers are. You say, but I listen to them and I, and I get so much from them. But they're wells without water. You're in the desert. You've been in the desert for a day and a half and you've been without water and you look and there is a well. And you say, there's a well. You get all excited and you run to the well, but the well has no water in it. That's what these guys are. 
the way that they talk and the things that they say. You say, oh man, it sounds so good and I listen to it and it's, it's exciting and I learn some things. But they're wells without water. They're clouds with no rain. You need the rain really bad. You want the rain so bad and the clouds show up, but the clouds don't bring any rain. That's these guys. They're wells without water, clouds carried by the tempest for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Do you kind of get the rhythm of what he's doing here now? He's telling you about them and who they really are. It's as if he's ripping off their mask and then he ends up with a statement of their destruction. He's done it again. Now he doesn't tell us that they are, that they're going to receive the wages of unrighteousness or that they're cursed. But now he says they are reserved for blackness of darkness forever. For when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. They allure. There's something about them. There's something that's attractive. Otherwise, nobody would follow them. I started this study off by saying there was something charismatic about Jim Jones that would cause people to leave their home, give everything they have, and follow him even to death. While they promised them liberty, verse 19, they themselves are slaves of corruption, for by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. You bring yourself into the same bondage that these false teachings have brought them in. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the later end is worse than the beginning. If you've been set free by Jesus only to be seduced by a false teacher, only to be brought into the midst of a cult, to receive the cult as if it's the truth, the end state is worse than the beginning because you were set free. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. By the way, that's not the only place the Bible says some such thing. There are other places. It would have been better for them to have never have known the way of truth than to have known the way of truth and then turned from it. But it has happened to them according to the proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit and a sow having washed to her wallow in the mire. What a picture. Washed up and cleansed by the blood of Jesus, but returning to the wallow. It tells us if there's anything, the heaviness of this chapter speaks to us. It's that we want to hang on to the truth. We want to know what the truth is. We want to follow people who teach the truth. And we never want to get caught up with false teachers. There's something I've noticed about this chapter. And that is that it never tells us what the false teaching is. This is a general chapter against false teachers of all kinds. It's not one particular false teacher. Some will say, well, this is the beginning of the roots of, of Gnosticism. Maybe, maybe that's what was going on and Peter was writing against it, but it doesn't say it. 
Maybe this was some other kind of false teaching that was out there. Maybe these were the ravenous wolves. Maybe these were the Judaizers who were trying to bring people back under the law again, back under the bondage of the law. Maybe these were some other early church heresies or heretics that were taught during those times or the beginning of cults that started in their day. Maybe it was the very beginning of liberalism that took people away. And when I say liberalism, I don't mean politically, okay? When I say liberalism, I mean theologically, which would say, Jesus didn't die on the cross for your sins. That's just an analogy. And everybody is really saved. That took roots by the second and third century. It was already being preached. And it's preached in churches today. Churches where they once taught the gospel are no longer teaching the gospel. They believe that they are progressive. They claim that they are progressive. They're moving along. They're progressive in thought when really they're not progressive at all. They're recessive. They're going back to the things that were once taught. They're not new things. That's the whole thing about progressives, about claiming that you are progressive. Well, I'm a progressive person. I'm a person of a free mind. Just go back in history. Just go back in history and you will find everything that you say that you're progressing to has already been there. That's the truth here with the false teachings as well. The sad truth of the matter is, is that there are so many churches where the gospel used to be preached and is no longer preached. And the seats are empty. No one's there. And that's a good thing. It's a good thing that they're not listening to the lies, but looking for someplace that will teach the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's a warning to every one of us. Let's have discernment. Let's test those who say that they are prophets and make sure that they are. And if they're not, then let's reject what they say and reject what they say wholeheartedly. Why be open? Why say, well, we just want to kind of see what they say. It's okay to see what they say. Turn away from them. Don't have anything to do with them. John tells us in the book of 2 John, get away from them. Don't have anything to do with them. Now, well, we'll leave it at that. Yeah, we'll leave it there. Stand with me, would you, and let's pray together. Father, we, uh, we see the heaviness of this passage. And what we're seeing in the heaviness of this passage is the Holy Spirit speaking against these false teachers. And what a warning this chapter is to every one of us who ever stands in front of a group of people and claims that they are speaking for God. If we are not, but we are in our own covetousness trying to receive something for ourselves, then Lord, I pray that you would reveal that. I pray that you would speak to us, that you would show us to do what First Peter tells us to do, which is to be a co-shepherd for the the church of Jesus Christ, revealing the love that you have for your people and declaring the truth of the gospel that sets us free. And for those who are leaning towards false teachers or tolerant of false teachings, Lord, I pray that this chapter would speak harshly to them, that they wouldn't be tolerant of these accursed individuals, that the wages of unrighteousness are on their way to them, that they would see them for who they are and grow in discernment. We thank you for this chapter, for the times that your word gets really heavy and speaks in a heavy way to us. And we thank you for this in the name of Jesus. 
we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living with Robert Furrow. We hope that our verse-by-verse studies truly help you to see that God is real. He wants a personal relationship with you, and His Word is life-changing. If you'd like to hear more of Robert Furrow's teachings, visit calvarytucson.com. For our local listeners, we invite you to join us at one of our two campuses. Our East Campus at Speedway and Camino Seco meets Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9.45 a.m. Our West Campus, south of Palo Verde and I-10, meets Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 11 a.m. Our midweek service times are Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. at our East Campus and 7.15 p.m. at our West Campus. If you prefer, you can watch our service at live.calvarytucson.com and also on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. Our online campus is available during East Campus service times. If Practical Christian Living has blessed you and you'd like to donate, please visit pclaz.org. That's pclaz.org where you can make a secure one-time donation or sign on to become a monthly partner on a reoccurring basis. Have you accepted Jesus into your life or do you have questions about salvation? We'd love to hear from you. Email us at saved at calvarytucson.com and don't forget to follow us on social media, Instagram at Calvary Tucson or Facebook at Calvary Chapel Tucson. We want to remind our local listeners that you can watch Practical Christian Living TV Sunday mornings at 8.30 a.m. on KGUN 9. Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living.